This is Yaakov, we are on page Reish Gimel, and we're continuing the story about Amram and Yecheved getting back together. Um, I want to go over something that we said yesterday and just give you a little commentary on it because we rushed through it. It was Miriam's claim. So Amram decides he's going to divorce Yecheved because he wants the entire Jewish people to divorce their wives because Parah has made a terrible decree that he's going to kill the babies, at least kill all the boys. And Amram says it's worthless for us to keep on having children if they're just going to kill them. So he has a plan to get divorced and then to make all the other Jews divorce their wives too. They do it. And Miriam says, your Gezerah is worse than Parah's and gives him three reasons. The first reason is that Parah went after the men and your only the men, not the women, you're going after everybody. With your decree, not even girls will be born. With Pare's decree, only the boys are going to be eradicated. The second one is that Pare is only gezer on Elam Haza. On this world, Pare is killing them in this world, but not in the next world. And you are killing them in this world and in the next world. And the third one was that you're a tzaddik. Right, you're a tzaddik. And a tzaddik, what he says always works. But Pare is a Russia. Maybe God's going to foil his plan. Those are Miriam's three ideas. That one in the middle, though, is very weird. The one in the middle is very weird. Miriam says, you made a decree that's only going to, you, I'm sorry, Parah made a decree that's going to kill them in Elam Haza. You made a decree that's going to kill them in Elam Haza and Elam Haba. What? <laughs> Why would a baby who's never born have a, tra- have a problem in Elam Haba? He never existed in the first place. Yeah. No, the fact, the fact that some of you have come to my other shirim doesn't mean I'm not going to have new stuff, but let me tell you some of the old stuff first. Take a look in Rashi. Look in Rashi. <laughs> I have regulars. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a disease. <laughs> Regulars. Yeah. Take a look in Rashi. Rashi's your maschal. Ella is the one that I want. Ella be'lamazeh. She'anodim mesim v'chezim chayim le'lam haba. It says here that Pare is only decreeing against them in Elam haza because those who are born will die immediately and then they will come back to have a life in the world to come. But ata gezart be'lamazeh u'le'lam haba she'kemen she'ein since they're not born, they don't come to Elam Haba. But if they're born, they'll come to Elam Haba. So what is Rashi saying, give someone Elam Haba? At what point is a child shayach to Elam Haba? According to Rashi, at the moment of birth. That's what it sounds like from our Gemara. It's what it sounds like from Rashi. It is possible. The Rashi is taking sides in a machlekes and Sanhedrin. Well, so it seems to be saying birth because what's happening here is that Par is killing the children as soon as they're born. Rashi's saying that gets the Maylam Haba, but if you never have them in the first place, then that would not, uh, that would not get the Maylam Haba. So maybe conception, maybe birth, certainly not after birth, right? Certainly not age three or age 12. Uh, so Rashi seems to be taking a side in a Gemara Masecha Sanhedrin 110b, which has three opinions, or not three, one, two, three, four, Five opinions. Five opinions as to when a child gets Elam Haba. One opinion is that it's at the moment of birth. One opinion is that it's the moment that the child speaks. So a pre-verbal child wouldn't, be, wouldn't have a chelik Elam Haba yet. Another of the opinions is conception. That's much, much earlier. Bris Mila. And the other one is once the child learns how to say Amen, which would, I guess, be the latest state. So we have multiple opinions about when a child first gets Elam Haba. Sounds like Rashi might be taking a side and saying that Elam Haba starts, as soon as, uh, starts at the time of conception, I guess. Um, maybe at the time of birth, maybe at the time of conception, taking one of those two opinions and not the later opinions. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to say that Pare was depriving them only of Elam Haza because if he killed them when they were born, as soon as they were born, he'd be depriving them of Elam Haba too if the child doesn't get Elam Haba until he can speak, until he can say Amen, yeah? What they never say Amen? It's a Gemara. I, I don't know. What, this is Masech Sanhedrin, not our Masech. I'm just mentioning that there's multiple opinions. Rashi, the Gemara doesn't seem to line up with the opinion of Amen or speaking. Our Gemara seems to line up with the opinion of being born, not even the opinion of Bris, because Parah's killing these boys before the eighth days, killing them on the day of their birth. So it sounds like this would be even before the Bris. This would be at the moment of birth, maybe at the moment of conception. Just Lihar. I will point out, though, that there's a Chidah. The Chidah says that's not what this Gemara is talking about at all. It's not what Rashi's talking about at all. You misread the Gemara. The Gemara here is saying that Parah was Gezer on Elam Haza of the people, and you're 
Ir Gezer and Elam Hazan and Elam Haba of the men. That is, men have a mitzvah pre-Avrivia. Men have to have babies. You're making a decree that's not going to allow them to have babies. If a man dies without having any children, there is an opinion that he sort of loses Elam Haba. Not that he loses Elam Haba, but that he might need to have a Gilgul. He'll need to come back again. It's a Zayar that the Chidah quotes. The Zayar says, Demishalai Nasa, Gadol Avendis, somebody who never gets married, his sin's very big. If he never had kids, the Zayar says he has to come back in a reincarnation if he never has any children. So, the Chida says that when uh, Miriam complains that he's taking away people's Elam Haba, she's complaining about the ability of these people to do Priya <clears throat> Then there's this really strange thing in the Chida that I must tell you about. This I did mention in the Gemara Shir, but it is so cool. I don't know exactly why he goes here, but he goes here in that same one. It's in the, it's in the, uh, it's, it's in the Chida on this line. It says, by the way... <laughs> He says that uh, Amnon's decree was preventing even people who were infertile from getting Elam Haba. How? Because they, 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 they were infertile or they already did pre-abbreviate them too. Uh-uh. The Chida says every single time that a husband and wife are together, they make a baby. He says they make a baby every time. He says they make a baby if they're infertile. They make a baby if she's too old. They make a, he has a whole list. They make a baby if uh, is a kena, a kara, if she's pregnant, uh, if she's nursing. That every single time a husband and wife are together, it makes a baby in Gan Eden. It just doesn't make a gulf. It doesn't make a body, but it's made in a shama. And in Elam Haba, you meet those kids. You meet the, he says you meet those kids in Elam Haba that were made through the bias that did not result in children. <clears throat> So the Chida says, you're ta- you can understand. <clears throat> huh? Yeah, I mean, be as non I would guess, would make, you know, the Nishamas and Mamzerim. I don't know. I don't know. It, do- it, it doesn't say. I don't know. I can't make, you can't make up Kabbalah. You can't just guess, right? Basically, when, I, when, when people are together, whether or not it makes children, it makes Nishamas. It makes Nishamas. So, uh, and, and he says, you meet them at Elam Haba. So another interpretation of this is that Miriam's saying to him, you're being gezer on Elam Haba, not just Elam Haza. Potter's going to kill him in Elam Hazeh. At least these people, even if they're not going to actually making children, they're making neshamas in Elam Haba. I'm not going to get to meet the neshamas in Elam Haba. It's a chida to be aware of. One to share at dinner parties, yes? <laughs> Moving right along. You'll meet them in, in Elam Haba. It's something to look forward to. <clears throat> Okay, so, yeah, the Miriam, <coughs> Miriam, makes her, uh, Miriam makes her claim, Miriam makes her argument that there's three reasons why Amram should undo his decree, and Amad v'achsedes ishtay. We're continuing the Gemara on page Reish Dalib. Amad v'achsedes ishtay. Amram listened to her, stood up, and remarried his wife. Amdu kolim v'achsedes and as the Rebbe does, they followed, right? The Chassidim followed. He remarried his wife, so they all remarried their wives. Then the Pasuk says, Vayikach es Baslevi, that he married a Baslevi. If it's true that this was actually their second marriage, it should say that he brought her back, not that he married her for the first time. Why does it say in Elushan that as though he married her for the first time? He says that they made a whole Maisel Lekuchim. They made a whole Chasna about it. They brought out a big, um, a big, what, that's like a canopy, right? And they danced in front of them. And the angel said, The angel sang, They made a whole wedding for her again. Let's do this last paragraph over here so we can start Lamites next week. S. Bas Levi, Efsher, Bas Bas. Let's do some math. Yechevd was born as she was entering Egypt. That means that at this, time, this point in the story, she's 130 years old. They call her a daughter of Levi, like a little kid. She's called a little girl. Why is she called a little girl? She's 130. She was conceived on the road into Mitzrayim, and she was, uh, and she was born between the walls of Mitzrayim, just in the entranceway. Ashi Yalda said Levi Mitzrayim. Levi gave birth to her. Levi didn't give birth to her. Levi fathered her in Mitzrayim. Levi Mitzrayim. She was born in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, but she was not conceived in Egypt. That is, that she suddenly got Simone Nara. She was called a young girl because all of the signs of youth returned to her. 
I think Rashi says what Simani Naris are exactly. She went back to, she, she, she started menstruating again, and she got her, her face looked nicer, and her wrinkles smoothened out. So she looked younger. She looked like a Bas Levi. Question that almost all of the Rishanim ask is how Yecheved was allowed to be conceived at all during that period of time because the world was in a state of famine. And there is a halacha, and it's an old halacha. It's not like a new thing in Shulchan Aruch. It goes all the way back to the Gemara. This is an old halacha that you are not allowed to have, you're not allowed to have children during a time of famine. So multiple Rishanim answer this question, how Levi uh, conceived her in the first place during, these are the years of famine. You know, the seven years of famine from the Yosef story? That's when she was conceived. How'd that happen? Taisa says that it's not a real din. It's a... It's different when you don't have money when the whole world doesn't have money. But during a recession, I guess you could make the argument. It's not really a time of famine anymore. No one's starving. Uh, it's a, yeah, well, that's the thing. We, don't, we, we, we have a really interesting economy now where there's not so much famine in this part of the world. People are very poor, but they don't starve. It's very interesting. Yeah, anyway. Tesa says that it's not actually Allah, it's Amidas Chassidus. It's not Allah. You don't have to keep this one. Samidas Chassidus. It's just saying that a good person doesn't have kids during a famine because who needs another mouth to feed? Samidas Chassidus. That's Tesis. The Marsha says it a little bit differently. He sort of riffs off this Tesis, and the Marsha and that Tesis says that only Levi was allowed to do it because Levi hadn't had any kids yet. And Priya Verivia overrides the rule that you're not allowed to have children during, sha- during the time of Ravan. What? Huh? I guess not. That's what he says. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Answer. Three boys. Didn't have a girl. No Priya Verivia. Right? Okay. So the unfulfilled Priya Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a boy yet. He didn't have a boy yet. Because, uh, he, so he says that Levi was lenient with himself. It's a midas If it's a famine and you haven't done Priya but you haven't done Priya Daraisa overrides us. Absolutely. That's the marshal. There's a Ran and a Ritva that's sort of combined together into a Perush that says that this one's... If you didn't like that one, you'll hate this one even more. This is that the Yidden weren't Pitzar at that point. They knew they were going to go visit Yosef and Yosef was going to give them money and they were going to have all the food they needed. The Goyim were starving and you don't have to keep these rules when the Goyim were starving and the Yidden are eating well. So he knew that the Yidden were doing okay and wasn't worried about this. There is a Sech from the Rebbe. Look at the Sech's volume 20 page 213, where the Rebbe lists each of these possibilities and says we can be sure that Rashi held of none of them. How does he know Rashi held of none of them? Because Rashi, on the Pasuk that's describing, it says in the Pasuk that Yosef had his two sons before the famine started, and Rashi says that the reason why the Pasuk tells us that he had the kids before the famine started is that he points out that Yosef would not have been allowed to have his children during a time of famine, and he doesn't say anything about Levi and also about Yitzchak. By the way, you're still during a time of famine. Even if you're the prince of the country that has all the grain, uh, what? Even if you're the prince of the country that has all the grain, right? That's that, 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 that's what Rashi says. So. Uh, that, right, that also doesn't fit very nice with the Ran and the Ritva, because the Ran and the Ritva implied that if you are not starving, you don't have to worry about it. Rashi clearly doesn't hold this, or he wouldn't have said that by Yosef. This is the Rebbe's point. So the Rebbe says, What exactly did Rashi hold? You have to meet a Daikin, Lushin, and Rashi. Rashi says, Bishnei Ra'avin, in the years, plural, of famine. So the Rebbe says that what Rashi really holds, and he, and he, defends, this, uh, he defends this over multiple pages, is that when you know that a famine's going to be going on for a certain period of time, you're not allowed to have kids during that period of time. But for a normal person who doesn't know that, the famine could end tomorrow. What's your excuse for not having children? You don't, you're, you're, you're besuffic. You have to have a vadai that it's a time of famine. Uh, who decides something's a famine? Who decides it's a famine? We haven't eaten for three weeks. It's a famine. Maybe tomorrow we're going to eat. Then it's not a famine, right? A, a famine is a... You never know when a famine's going to end. So you can't not have children while you're, because you think that the famine's going to go on forever. God could always end it. Who is the exception to that rule? Yosef. Yosef knew when the famine went. Yosef knew that he was in for seven years. He had this from Hashem as a nevuah. He read this as a dream in the Parah's dream. So he knew that he was locked in. So Rashi says that he couldn't have children during that period of time. If you'll ask, didn't Levi know? The Rebbe answers that. The Rebbe says, Levi would have heard a rumor that, this is just great. Levi would have heard a rumor. Huh? 
Come down to Mitzrayim because we have. But when, at the time of conception, this would have been before Yosef told them. Because it doesn't take that long to get to Mitzrayim. So this would have been before he found out who Yosef was. So what would Levi have heard? What, would the, what, what, what rumor would have reached Levi's ears? The Rebbe says, obviously everybody knew it was going to be a seven-year famine. Everybody was talking about it. It was the talk of the town. What did the Yidden hear, though? The Yidden heard that Pare had a dream about some cows, and some slave and some prisoner told him, oh, that means seven years of famine. And the Yidden thought that was hilarious, and no way it was true. So they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it was seven years. Some nobody was saying it's a seven, seven years of famine, says who? When he found it was Yosef, then he could have relied on it, but by then he already had a kid. So the Rebbe says this is Rashi's shita. The Rebbe is careful to emphasize that this is not la'alacha, that, uh, that, that we, we, we don't hold like Rashi. We actually hold that um, the, uh, the din in Torshul Chanarach specifically says shnas ra'avin, not shnei ra'avin. So even one year of famine is enough to hold up pre of rivia. However, we, uh, but not pre of rivia. The Shulchan Aruch says you haven't done pre of rivia yet, you do. So very much, we end up passing like the Ran Lirit, but just an interesting uh, a side detour into a sicha. Time for one more quick thing? We do. Time for one more quick thing, and then we're going to head to the Shara Batachan. Lekut uh, volume 6, page 35. The Rebbe asks, why did, uh, why did Hashem have to make these miracles for Yecheved? You don't have to. I mean, obviously, she is gonna have, she's going to have a baby. So it works, to have somebody who's menstruating and young have a child. But if you're going to make a miracle where a 130-year-old has a baby, she doesn't have to look young again. Why well, you got to smooth out her wrinkles? You're already doing something pretty miraculous, right? So, so they don't, don't say that that was not from God. They know how old she is, though, is what I'm saying. I'm saying that if, God, if God's already splitting the sea, he doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to add the frills, right? He's already giving a 130-year-old lady a baby. What's with the extra steps? And why specifically a heaven? And the Rebbe says that in chavish matiratzatzme, a person who's imprisoned cannot free themselves. The Jewish people were imprisoned on three levels. The Rebbe says level number one, they were literally slaves, so they needed somebody who was not a slave to free them. Moshe fits the bill perfectly because he's from the tribe of Levi. Levi was never slaves. Great. In addition to being slaves, though, even before they were slaves, their gullus started when they went to Mitzrayim. So they needed somebody who was never really in Mitzrayim in the first place. They needed the child of someone who was born on the way in, but wasn't born in the country itself. So they needed somebody who was never even subject to Mitzrayim in the first place. The third level of Gullus and Mitzrayim was that they were locked into Teva, Mitzrayim. They were locked into the bounds of nature. So in order to have somebody redeem them, it had to be somebody who was not locked into the bounds of nature, someone born of a woman who had completely bucked Teva in every way possible. So the child born of Yecheved was able to be the Ein Chavash Matei was able to be the liberator of the Jewish people because he was not subject to slavery, he wasn't subject to Mitzrayim, and he wasn't even subject to Teva. Thank you very much.